Romans 8, 1-11 Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. Our story today is of two people, a brother and sister. Nadia Richardson, the older one, always tall to a fault, sharp-eyed brown hair halfway down her back from the time she could get it that far, with a lifelong penchant for wearing purple sweaters, and her younger brother Aiden, who in almost every way was her opposite, save for their common parents and the place they grew up. They were born three years apart, and from near the day their parents brought Aiden home from the hospital, well, there was trouble. Three-year-olds, and here I am talking with some amount of knowledge, being the proud father of one myself, have a tendency to say and do what comes to their minds, stuff the consequences, and Nadia was no different. Or at least so Mrs. Richardson thought, after placing her newborn son in a cradle, leaving Nadia in front of the TV watching Sesame Street so she could go to the bathroom, only to return moments later, finding her three-year-old daughter perched precariously on the arm of a yellow rocking chair that she dragged across the living room and into the nursery, struggling and more concerningly half-succeeding in lifting her crying brother out of his bed by his arm. When Mrs. Richardson asked her young daughter what in the world she was doing, and after, of course, rushing to save her infant son, the answer was, my crib out. And this is pretty much how the relationship of those two children went growing up. The younger just trying to get by, doing their own thing, and the older constantly upset about having someone else honing in on her turf. And their parents, well, they tried everything to get those two to play along nice. They tried talking, bribery, discipline, bribery, but nothing seemed to work. But thankfully, 
soon enough came the teenage years. A statement no parent save for those of the Richardson children has ever said before. Three years apart in age meant that Nadia and Aiden would be separated by the junior-senior youth divide at their church, with Aiden only making it to senior youth by the time Nadia graduated, and since their church was rather large and had a fairly active youth group meeting at least twice a week, and finally there was a chance at a life of peace and quiet. Maybe the two of them could finally start to become their own people instead of just defined by being at each other's throats. And surprise of surprises, it actually worked. Or at least mostly it worked. Nadia on her own, surrounded by the other youth in church, but more importantly, the youth leaders took to her Bible like it was going out of style. She just drowned herself in it, asking her youth pastor and parents questions pretty much every day. It was something she could finally call her own, and she took to that like, you know how if you buy a goldfish at a store, they give it to you in a little plastic bag, and then you finally get home and you let the goldfish out into the tank and it just kind of darts everywhere? Everywhere Nadia could go with her Bible, well, she went with it. And her parents and her youth pastor, they were genuinely impressed. Sure, at times Nadia could use what she was learning to kind of beat people over the head with her own holiness, but you know what? That's a pretty common thing for most people starting out in their faith to do, so they thought nothing of it. And then graduation came. And just as Nadia shipped off for college came Aiden's turn to enter senior youth. Everyone in the youth leadership, including the Richardson parents, well, they were excited to see what would come from the only sibling of the great Nadia Richardson. And well, they were disappointed before the week even let out. Because where Nadia had made her identity her Bible really to a fault... Aiden mostly pushed it away because it smelled too much like a sister. And now with her out of the house finally, well, he was not going to waste his newfound freedom following in anything that even kind of looked like her footsteps. It was not that he had given up on Jesus. Not by any means. He, he was a Christian pretty much from the point where he was four. The idea that God is there was as baked into him as it can be baked into anybody, but instead, just the version of the faith that his sister had, where your every waking moment is so very Christian, and your every interaction with other people is just that to the point where it makes it seem like you're waterboarding them with it, he could leave that where it was. It wasn't for him. So where Nadia took to her Bible, garnering the approval of her parents and those at church, Aiden instead took to his group of friends from school. Kids looked at by those around him like disappointments. And as such, in time, those same leaders, so impressed with Nadia, came to think of Aiden like a disappointment as well. But truth be told, those kids weren't a bad bunch. Fiercely loyal, friendly to everyone. I suppose the liquor and the cigarette smoke seemingly constantly on their breath was concerning, especially given their age, as well as 
much of the vandalism that no one ever seemed to be able to peg on them, but everyone just knew they had to be the cause of. This was all made even worse, though, because if you have a sister like Nadia, well, that has a tendency to magnify every wrong thing you do, no matter how minor it is. So, yeah. And so the next three years were a bit of a struggle in the Richardson house, it would be fair to say. And when finally the time came for Aiden to graduate, between his parents, the leaders at youth, and the pressure to live up to his sister, he couldn't stand at the best of times. Well, let's just say Aiden was more than a little anxious to get out of town. But it was after graduation where things really changed for the Richardson kids, because... For Nadia, going from a home where she was, quite frankly, adored by both her parents and all of those others she might have looked up to, regarded as so mature and the one the other kids should aspire to be like, going from that level of adoration to really just being one tiny fish in a very large pond filled with many much more impressive fish, well... Things after grad were not so great for Nadia Richardson. And so, as many other people have done and will continue to do when the world seems to be particularly uncaring toward them, she clung to her glory days. Nadia often would find her old Bible, crack it open, and fall back on it like a crutch. An admirable thing to do for sure. An important thing to do, for sure, but soon in this, problems started to show. Because in time, Nadia, maybe without even realizing it, began to read her Bible in a problematic way, reading it just to find reaffirmation for herself. To Nadia, her Bible stopped being about telling the story of a God still very much so active in the world, and instead came to be about doubling down just on what had come and passed before. And while the past can be a wonderful encouragement, even a a guide to shed light on what can be done again if parsed right and used right, ultimately the past is always just that. The past. Something never to be reclaimed. And so it was... In the pages of a book about God, Nadia Richardson looked only for herself and what she once was. And because of that, she stagnated. For three years, for six, the the world continuing to pass her by while she continued to languish in the failing glory of what she once was. But while his sister's star faded... Aiden continued to prove himself to be her opposite in almost every way. He was excited to finally get out there to see what the world beyond would bring, and he drank up all that there was to have as a result. At first, as it does for really most young people like Aiden, people running from something blindly but excitingly off to the unknown, he went off the rails a wee bit. Had a couple too many good times, is what my doctor growing up would call it. But in time, Aiden Richardson, as most people do, grew out of being between the ages of 18 and 24. And with that transition, all the things that were 
to him once both fun and reckless stopped being as much fun and instead he too came to see them as just kind of reckless. So with Sundays now largely free, he found a new church to call his own. Something that, while surprising to many, including the rest of the Richardson clan as well as the old youth leaders, let me tell you when they found out that Aiden Richardson was going to church of his own, their jaws hit the floor, but... But really, it only made sense because, again, Aiden was always a Christian, and despite his less than positive experiences growing up in the church he was from, that doesn't change the fact that church is the place you go to be with other believers, the place you go to find people to stand with you through the tough times, and the place you go to meet God. Church when it works as it's supposed to, fills a part of us that nothing else does. And so he went. And in time, he even met a girl. And he settled down and, well, now there is a new Richardson clan with two kids of their own. I suspect if Aiden has his way, there might even be a third. And, well, they just keep on looking for what comes next. And while you would think that would be the end of the story of the Richardson kids. It isn't quite. Years later, over Christmas holidays, both the siblings found themselves at home. Their detest for each other had softened an awful lot with their time apart. And given it was Christmas, it just so happened that the annual Christmas Eve service in the church they grew up was happening. So the whole school of Richardson packed up, the whole family, they all went together. And after the service was done and all the congregants gathered to drink hot apple cider, only just past a boil, hot enough to still strip the top layers of your mouth as seems to be a commonality of all church hot apple cider the continent over, they found themselves talking with those same old youth leaders from back in the day. And the bizarre thing is that even though objectively Nadia was not in a good place at all at that point, really she was a concern for her parents and even her brother at that point. And Aiden, on the other hand, was absolutely thriving after he left. Somehow, all the reminiscing kept coming back to Nadia the golden child and her brother Aiden the screw-up. That's the story of the Richardson kids. In today's passage, Romans 8, 1 to 11, there's one verse that is particularly important to pick up on to understand what Paul is talking about. Verse 5, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. An important thing to pick up on in that verse is that when Paul writes that, in his words, there isn't just a static understanding of what is being said. For Paul, it's not just where you are right now that's important. What matters instead is what direction you're heading. Are you heading in the direction of the Spirit setting your mind, and by that he means all of you, your mind, your wants, your goals, your life? Are you setting all of that on what the Spirit desires, or are you heading instead in the direction of the flesh? 
setting your life up in such a way as to ultimately find yourself in a place to obtain only what the flesh desires. And by that, he means our self-seeking and selfish desires, our desires that benefit us at the cost of God and others, our sinful desires. Again, are we heading toward God, toward the Spirit, or are we bearing somewhere else? To Paul, it's not about where you are right now, but instead, where you're going that matters, the direction you are heading. That means that you could be the most righteous of saintly people, spending your entire life dedicated to living in just the right way, a person not unlike how Nadia Richardson was, or more importantly, I suppose, like how Paul himself was for most of his life. But but if you are more focused on something other than following as God leads, despite your past holiness, heading there will end you nowhere good. But the flip side of that is also true. You could be the person everyone thinks of as a failure through and through. But if you are heading forward toward where God leads in the long run, well, I mean, don't be surprised if you find that over time you get a lot closer to where you're going. To Paul, it is not where you are right now. It is not where you have been in the past, but instead only where you are heading that matters, where you are moving toward. Is that God? Then great. Is that something else? Well, then not so great. And while that might seem kind of obvious, this is a thought that truthfully doesn't sit well with many of us. And here I'm throwing the entire country under the bus. We don't like to think of people as changing. That that takes way too much effort from us. We would far rather remember the saints for their good actions from long ago and the sinners from their misdeeds and leave it at that. We want to see people just as snapshots in time. Sure, most of us want others to see us as fully fleshed out. After all, we know that we are not the same people we were when we were kids, but how we see others? Well, ask yourself this question. How many people can you think of that your entire picture of who they are is based on who they were when they were a wild child? Never you mind that maybe decades have passed now. They might be married with kids working hard to build the towns they lived in, but if they do one thing that reminds us of how they once were, regardless of the time and effort in between, how quick we are to bust out our wagging finger telling everyone we talk to that a tiger never changes its stripes. Sure, we have changed since we were kids. Everyone sees that, we think. But everyone else, why can't they just get it together? We tell ourselves this, ignoring that over the years, they have been working hard to do just that. So much of the world and how we think of other people revolves around reducing them to single periods of time and damning them for it. Seeing all their lives tied to that anchor, no matter how they may struggle to change themselves. This is something that we all do, and it is a thought that flies in the face 
of what Paul teaches us in Romans. The Bible very much so teaches us that people can change. All it takes is two things. First, to strive to focus on the spirit instead of the flesh, to work to struggle in that direction. And the second is that it just takes time. Doesn't matter if we are as far away as is humanly possible from where we want to be. Doesn't matter if there are individual periods or even long stretches of time that we genuinely miss up. If over the long haul we work with God to right the ship, pray, struggle with others, read our Bibles, asking those questions of where to go next, work to turn our ship always back as the Spirit leads, we can have faith that in time we will sail in that direction. That, Paul tells us here, is a certainty. Just as much as it is a certainty that if we focus not on God, but on ourselves, we will drift ever farther away, no matter how close to the divine we might have started off. This is a reality we live with. This is how our faith works. It's a matter of orientation, of where you are heading over the long term, not a matter of where you are at at any individual period of time. This is the truth for me, for you, just as it is the truth for all the people that we want to write off as once a screw-up, always a screw-up. People can change. People are never write-offs. Does this mean you shouldn't be concerned if someone close to you is problematic now and hurting others as a result? No, of course you should be concerned. And if they are close enough to you that you should act, by all means do that. Does this mean that people won't screw up again the same way they have in the past? Well, I mean, likely, probably they will. We all have those things that we tend to trip back into, you and me included, and we should keep that in mind. But instead, what I am saying is just that when it comes to God, there is always hope.